remember people's names. Man, I don't know if I can do that. All right. Good to see you, Jody. Hey, how you doing? (laughs) (laughs) All right. Since Tim was in Mexico, I had to I had to put a show together, and I I guess I I went kind of nuts. We said something about you know let's have Patrick Keith on, and I went ooh we can we can have a couple sculptors on. Um, a whole bunch of emails later, we have Patrick Keith Bombshell Miniatures. Good to be here. And we have Tom Mason. He says he sculpts. <laughs> I sculpt a little bit. Uh, <laughs> He, he runs the Mini Sculpting Super Show over on YouTube. We have Jody Siegel of Imbrim Art. Hey. Said that right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Cool. All right, and then we have Trey Manor, because he definitely decided to show up last, of <laughs> Redbox Games. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> it's all good. We've, we've all had our uh, weird issues before. You know, you know, Trey. When they would they would mass the uh, armies in the ancient the ancient Celts, you know, the last person to show up to the muster, you yeah. know, would be beheaded as a sacrifice. Oh, <laughs> <wow>. <laughs> well, how do you know y'all weren't early? <laughs> it doesn't matter if you're early or not. You're still the last. So I mean, it's, it's off with his head. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Tough. So I I figure this will be a whole lot like hurting a bunch of cats. I mean, you know, just Patrick by himself is normally like that. <laughs> just imagine what uh, three other sculptors is. Oh, and Tim is here. Um, he's looking like a reverse raccoon because he was out in the sun a lot. I got tan as shit. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so how's everyone doing tonight? Great. Doing well. Yeah. Yeah, I I was very excited about getting here, uh, knowing that, you know, I was going to be in the company of all of these other fantastic sculptors. (laughs) Actually, it was was rather amusing. I I sent an email off to Patrick. I got a hold of Tom, and I'm getting a hold of people. And Patrick's like, yeah, I'm I'm up for it. And hey, who else is going to be on the show? And I'm like, oh well, these are the people. He's like, oh, I really like these people. And next thing I know, everyone's like talking to each other. <laughs> 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 They're coordinating. I'm like, okay, sweet. My job just got a whole lot easier. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's it's a very small community. I mean, it's like you know, you kind of do this work, you know, for you know, so many years and everything. You kind of you meet people at conventions. You you know, uh, you learn about their work and all this kind of stuff. So it's uh, it's a pretty tight knit little community that we have because there's just there's not a lot of us that actually do this kind of thing. So mm-hmm. it's uh, it's kind of nice to be you know in that company. Well, we are we're definitely honored to have gathered so much talent together. Actually, I've spent the last few days just staring at everything that everyone's been doing. Because uh, I, I'm actually venturing into, and I, I got a I got a package from uh, Bombshell Miniatures today that had a sculpting kit in it. So, awesome. So I uh, I have my eyes set. I don't know if you guys are familiar with Relic Blade or not. Love oh, yeah. it. Yeah. Yep. yeah. Relic Blade is awesome. Um. So so in there in his first Kickstarter, Sean had an option where 
you could help him design a character. And there's this one character in there. It's um, Woogie Wugglesack or something like that. <laughs> and and he's a gnome knight smith. And his little backstory was that he was um, he was a blacksmith, and he was shoeing a horse one day, and it kicked him in the head. And he's got a big dent in his head from where the horseshoe hit him. And he decided to go adventuring or something like that. I may have added to that story or something. But, you know, this was somebody's D&D character. And I've been like, I love this guy. And I've looked everywhere. I can't find a gnome with a dent in his head. So I I decided I've been playing around with sculpting someone. Like, I'm going to try and make a gnome with a dent in his head. There you go. Yeah. There's there's always something missing in life. And. (laughs) Uh, all right. Well, now, are, are you are you starting this gnome completely from scratch and, and sculpting him from the ground up, or are you you doing a conversion of like kind of an existing gnome figure? No, I'm going to go straight from scratch. I, Man, gonna, right. uh, that's that's usually how I figure things out. I just go from scratch, get mad at it, throw it around a few times, and you know eventually figure it out. That's what you got to do. Yeah, <laughs> just so, keep sculpting, put in the time. So yeah. I've. I've actually been watching uh, Tom's show some. I actually, I was like, all right, so I have to build an armature. So, um, oh, hey, Tom, who actually Patrick turned me on to. Um, Phrasing. Yep. <laughs> 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 but he's got that voice. I mean. <laughs> um, but, yeah, so, you know, I, I was watching uh, How to Make Armatures the other day from uh, Tom. So great resource over there. Thank you. Oh, that, that's <laughs> yeah, all we're so, gonna get. Uh, oh, totally okay. segue it over to him. And <laughs> I, I learned a lot from watching them myself. I've I've, <laughs> I've gone through several of them several times, so you know it's uh, they're great. Thanks. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, yeah. I I like doing it to share, you know, with how to do it because you know when I got started in this thing, uh, it was back at Gen Con, the very first Gen Con in Indy. And they would do the sculptors meetup. Sandra Garrity and a couple other yeah. people put it on, and it was sponsored by Reaper and sometimes other companies as well. And it was there was nothing like it except for maybe ReaperCon now, right? And ArtistCon, but <laughs> it, you it just it's very hard to get to do things like that and share knowledge. So that's that's why I want to do this. You know, kind of build that community up online since we're all so spread out. Yeah, start sharing that again. Well, it, it's pretty cool because whenever, you know, anybody messages me or sends me an email, it's like, hey, how do I do a thing? I'll just mm-hmm. go over to YouTube and do a search on your <laughs> on your channel and I'll grab the link. And so, here, go check this out. You know, so I send people to your your uh, your channel and stuff, you know, that info all the time, you know, because uh, I, awesome. I, you know, it's it's easier to do that than it is to like write out. A, right. Know, no, I hear you. I hear you. And uh, yeah. I had a guy it's, it's a great resource. Oh, go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. I had a guy the other day, I think he messaged me on Facebook or something. He's like, do you have any tips on how to sculpt the miniature? And I'm like, yeah, just look at <laughs> As a matter of fact, I've got like, you know, two weeks worth, you know, of continuous play that you can watch. Yeah. yeah. That's great. <laughs> do you have any tips? I don't know. <laughs> Maybe. Right. You should have looked at him all deadpan and just said, no, I have nothing for you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shoot. Yeah. That, that would have uh, 
would have been interesting. Nice. So uh, I take it that everybody in here, for the most part, they're still doing the traditional sculpting. They're staying away from 3D for the most part. Uh, uh, well, I, I, 3D. I hate it. Yeah? Yeah, I do yeah. too. I, <laughs> I agree totally with Jody. I've, I have been I have been <clears throat> seriously applying myself to trying to learn it, and I just can't get it. Yeah, it's tough. It's a tough thing. Uh, my, my problem is the hardware. Like, my... Yeah, my pad is so glitching. It does so much crazy stuff. You know, it's just like unworkable. You know, what do you what, do? What, what are you What are you working with? Uh, I got a Huion 1060. Mm. Yeah, I hear uh, those are kind of hit. Can be hit and miss. Oh yeah, yeah. I, I'm on my second one. I sent the first one back. Mm. Um, it uh, the 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 cursor skips around and stuff. So if you're trying to draw something mm. and you know, you just you just you just added fifty spikes to whatever you're working on. Oh wow! <laughs> and then you then you got to go back, oh, clear them out. You got to unplug it, plug it back in again, restart the computer, pray. Wow! So so it's it's not really that you hate the hate the three D sculpting. It's you hate what you have for a setup right now. Uh yes. Um, I did. There was this this conversation going on with um, the the Shiflet Brothers forum where where somebody asked the question, um, if if you sculpt digitally, can you call it handmade? That was a big <laughs> thread. <laughs> that was. <laughs> I, I could I could see that being a very very big thread. Yeah, there, there's some polarizing comments. Yeah. Um, that, uh, my my contribution was. Sculpting digitally is is like sex with a condom. You know, it, <laughs> it's fun, but it's not as cool. <laughs> yeah, and and at the end of the digital sculpting, you will actually have work to show for it, as opposed to not having. Anyway, um. <laughs> well, I'll chime in as somebody who who's you know been dabbling with it pretty extensively recently and and i am liking it a lot but i'll i'll concur with all of you that there definitely is something about having the real thing uh you know working on it more intimately right in front of your face and then having a real physical object not having to do another step afterwards well now didn't you sculpt the little rabbits for uh uh, fortress yeah, figures. Yeah, did, did all the hairballs and, for them. I'm doing some other little yeah. animals and stuff too. And you're and you're doing all those in in ZBrush. Those are all ZBrush. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Did, okay. I so about I, to I, do a, a full figure, and I did a castle for MegaCon Games. Okay. Um, for the, one of their games. So now for the little I, rabbit I, guys, did, depth perception. Hmm? Yeah, that? yeah. That's that's the other part, the depth perception. Oh yeah. yeah. Like if, if you blow up. Uh, a hand sculpted miniature to the size of your computer screen. It's not going to look like what you're sculpting on ZBrush. Uh, well, and that's yeah. that's a difficulty because even when you try and keep it small on ZBrush, mm-hmm. the the program can't register those small, subtle little ticks. You only, you have to enlarge it to get those subtle uh, movements and manipulations, which then throws your, your brain off. I've been looking at a lot of Gail Guman's uh, digital stuff. Yeah. And uh, it looks, based on the pictures that, that he's posted to his Facebook, 
it looks like there's really not a whole lot of loss of detail between his digital sculpts and the actual prints. And his digital looks very similar to his tangible sculpture. Um, I mean, I don't, I don't know. I guess it maybe it depends on, I don't know. Yeah, no, I agree. His, his sculpting style is evident, you know, in, in his digital stuff. I mean, you can tell that, you know, it's, it's his stuff. Uh, and like, like the, the pictures that you were showing Trey of like some of the stuff that you had blocked out when you were kind of experimenting in ZBrush, yeah. you know, you can tell that it's like, wow, that's, that's a silhouette of a, a figure that, you know, I've seen you do in, in play. I mean, it's, it translated, it's like, that's your style. So, I mean, yeah. I can tell that, that, you know, it's, it's your approach. It's how you're, you know, working on that. It's, it's coming through even in your digital stuff. So it's, it's yeah, I was, I was really worried it wouldn't. So. Yeah, no, I mean, and there, there were no details in it. I mean, it was just like a basic form blocked out and you could still tell that the pose and the, the proportions and stuff on it were like, that's a trace sculpt. I mean, I can, I can see that it's in there. Um, uh, one of, one of my favorite sculptors is, uh, Joaquin, uh, Palacios. I think this, oh, yeah. I, okay. And he does like all the stuff for black sun and, and that kind of thing. And, uh, he just recently showed the, uh, the digital renders for, I guess they're doing this infinity Kickstarter that's going on right now where it's the busts and the, the big 75 mm. figures and all that. And it's that's all like it's a totally different animal though. Like yeah. the, like thirty two and seventy millimeters, the, the the resolution is is yeah yeah yeah. Like you can you can do awesome like whatever you sculpt on on a computer. If if you print it out at, at seventy millimeters, it's going to look great. You know you're going to be yeah. able to see all yeah. the details and mm-hmm. um you know stuff's not going to disappear. I I just worry about you know if you sculpt that detail of a miniature and shrink it down to twenty eight millimeters. Yeah, you you actually have to sculpt for the size that you're going to print it out. I mean, I've I've seen some stuff that are it's like scaled down, and and it when you look at that Kickstarter project, they have a, a, a they have the same character offered in mm-hmm. two different scales, and they are two different sculpts. I mean, because yeah. the one that's in, in the thirty millimeter size, it's you can look at the render compared to the other one and see it's like it's been proportioned to print at that size. And that's one of the things that I think a lot of digital sculptors that come from other industries don't take into account are, you know, these kinds of factors, you know, for the, the printing output. Yeah. So that would, that would be my problem too, is if, if I'm working big, then I'm going to start throwing detail on it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Every time I work digitally, I always feel it feels like <clears throat> I'm working on almost like working on a life-sized figure because, you know, when we go to build a figure in miniature, uh, you don't need much more putty or clay than what you can cover your thumbnail with to do the whole thing. And when you add, where at least I know the way that I do it is I tend to use very large pieces of clay and I work in really deep layers. So I'm not adding little by little by little I'm putting on a big piece all in one shot and then just going to town on it from there. Just adding little by little by little by little by little by little. And it just seems to take so long to get 
visible results. Yeah. Here's here's the I, I can kind of understand that difficulty. The the problem that I've run into in working in ZBrush because most of the stuff that I do in ZBrush is like weapons and mm-hmm. uh, and robots and vehicles yeah. and you know and hard surface type stuff. Yeah. But when good. I yeah, but when I've been sculpting organically in it, like say for example, if you're sculpting a boot, okay, and you know that like well, I'm going to shape the boot and I'm going to block the boot out in the the form that it is. Okay, and then once you get that form done. Then you're going to go back and take like your little your knife tool, and you're going to cut into where the the seams go and where the sole of the boot is around the outside of it and all that sort of thing. So the problem that I run into is that like when you're sculpting in clay and you take that that edge of the knife and you just press it into it and then you work along to create the sole of the boot. There's not really a way that you can simulate that in ZBrush. <clears throat> I take the, the right. edge of the knife and just press it in and boom, you've got like a line. Now yeah, yeah. when you're when you're working in ZBrush, you've got to like you've got to run the pin back and forth, you know, in order to create that that indention, you know, yeah. that you, otherwise it's just gonna take a few little strokes of the knife to boom, 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 and you can cut those shapes in and it's just not that way in in the ta- you know, using the tablet, I've found. Yeah. So yeah. That's been one of the biggest uh, things I notice is that like I, I sculpt with like three tools for almost everything, and yeah. one of them for a vast majority of that. And and you can do so many things with like a single tool, yeah. so many different textures and and manipulations. Where in ZBrush you you really you have to get. I mean, I've got a pretty limited palette in there too. Mm-hmm. Just to keep myself sane, but you can't. It's not <laughs> if you have the move brush, you're just gonna be moving stuff. Right. Then you have to go to the standard brush, and it's going to be able to pull in or push push in or pull out. And but that's it; it's going to do it the one way. Then you got to go different different tool. Yeah, and I hate changing tools like that. It's just it's it interrupts what you're trying to do. You know, I always feel like the the tools don't always do the same thing. So I don't know. I mean, I know that do, but you know, you have to fiddle with this slider and fiddle with that slider. Mm. And it, well, it, it makes, makes a big a difference depending on the resolution you're working at. Like if you're lower or higher, yeah. they can yeah. very change it dramatically. Yeah. Oh yeah. The angle that oh, you're yeah. facing the, the, mm. the digital image from makes a difference. And you know, what, what is affected, what isn't affected. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, uh, what are the, what are they called? The, uh, Like the sensitivity and the pressure? No, it's not the sensitivity and pressure. Tilt? It's, uh, no. Um, uh, well, what does it look like? Can you, can you describe <laughs> it? Can you, can you show us on the doll where where the parameter <laughs> is? Actually, I'm booting up ZBrush at the moment. because now, now I have to know what it is I'm trying to say. The focal right. point. Yeah. Yes, there you go. Yes. The focal point. Okay. All right. <laughs> that's something I'll give you I that one. Three hundred dollars for the win. Purples. Yeah. Yes. Thank that's... you. Yeah, that's another thing that uh-huh. I've uh-huh. kind of tried to force myself to to not screw around with too much. You know, because you can spend so much time fiddling with settings, it keeps you from sculpting. And the yeah. more I oh, yeah. treat yeah. it like like a computer program, and less like harder and longer to, to do things. Right. I'm no, still I mean, learning, you know, so. and, and that's, that's the thing that I, I, I'm 
getting the vibe of from from all of you actually is the fact that you know it's digital sculpting takes time to get used to just like it takes time to you know actually mm-hmm. sit down and and figure it out yeah. you know with just clay or or green stuff or whatever medium you're using yeah yeah well i mean it's 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 a tool like anything else is and and i here's here's the closest equivalent that i can kind of uh relate it to okay in our hobby is like the the difference between painting with a brush and painting with an airbrush okay when you sit down and paint miniatures with a brush, you know, you're physically taking the paint and actually applying it to the model, you know, with uh, with a tool, okay? And then when you get into airbrushing, it's like, okay, well now I'm going to I'm going to use this tool. It's a whole different set of rules, okay? Because yeah. now you're screwing around with like you could spend all day like screwing with your airbrush settings to just try to get it to spray paint. Okay? <laughs> yep. And, don't and, do that paint enough. Don't have enough pressure. Oh yeah, I've, yeah. I've so now you've all. compounded the fact that it's like, well, now I've got to put all of that stuff on top of if I don't understand color theory or I understand shading and highlighting and all that type of stuff. So I equip, I equate that to sculptors that are like, oh, well, I'm just going to sit down and like sculpt in ZBrush, and it's like, no, you're not. <laughs> I mean, what you're going to do is you're going to push some blobs around and you know hope that it comes out like what you're looking for. You know, uh, I think the most successful sculptors in ZBrush are the ones that have, you know, foundation skills that understand things like form and composition and balance and, and you know, these kinds of, you know, grounded, you know, uh, sculpting skills. So, mm-hmm. you know, then then you can take and kind of layer on, well, now I'm, I'm futzing around with, you know, all these tool settings and all this type of stuff because, you know, I already kind of understand where I want to go with it. So, um I, I think that it's it helps sculptors to like sit down and just push you know clay around first, you know. Uh, yeah. It's just very like artificial, mm-hmm. you know the the lighting's artificial, the forms artificial. Um, it doesn't have the same feel looking. I mean, like the finished product looks like a miniature, but when you're looking at it on the screen, it doesn't feel real. Yeah. Yeah. It, uh, it's. I, I'm, I'm sure it's probably just a, a result of particular artistic styles because I know that certain artists who uh, you can really see their hand in, in digital work, and you can. It, it, they don't exactly look like a digital model, but a lot of them, to me, really do. They all kind of have the same look, and I don't know if it's because of the the perfect bilateral symmetry or if it's because of uh, building up a library of stock parts that people just kind of cobble together the basic shape of the figure from and then they sculpt on the top of it. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know what it is, but it, it, it seems to me like I can tell a tangible sculpt from a tangible sculpt. Hmm. As most products like the, the first time I saw the uh, the Guild Ball stuff, I was like, those, those are digital. I didn't have to see that they were digital. I could just tell by looking at them. You know, obviously there, there have been a few times where I've been wrong about a couple. Uh, I regularly look at Thomas David's sculptures, and I think they're all digital. 
because they're so mm-hmm. perfect. Yeah, those are those but, uh, are some pretty clean sculpts. Yeah, <laughs> yeah really I don't. I don't see. I don't see how he does it. I just one one of the reasons I went back to using putty over clay was because I I could not get a nice clean smooth surface out of the out of the clay. Really? I don't know what changed, you know, because I was doing it there for a while, but something changed, and now I just can't. I can't work with clay anymore. It's, it drives me nuts. Okay, so you're so you're back to green stuff then. Well, I, I use a, a mix of uh, Aves and uh, Green. Sometimes I use Procreate and Aves. It just kind of depends on what my mood is and how much I have of any given putty. Okay. How, what's yeah. your ratio that you mix that in? Uh, it depends on the, the application the temperature outside. Uh, if, it's, <laughs> if it's hot, I'll use maybe 50% Aves and 50% putty. If it's cold, I'll use... 60 to 70 percent aves to 30 percent putty wow okay all right yeah. because the cold is especially with uh with great or at least with the procreate that i have on hand maybe it may be because it's old uh it seems to to be really really uh firm in cold weather you know it just it i can mix it up and set it on the set it on the desk and within 15, 20 seconds, I go to pick it up and it feels like it's cured. So I have to knead it again and then. Yeah, my Procreate always mm-hmm. seemed to get pretty firm just sitting aside, not mixed or anything. Like it gets old or something. But I like that doing that Aves mix too because it kind of reconditions it, makes it a little softer. Plus it, it cures, uh, cures up nice too. See, I, I put a little bit of Fimo in, in my Procreate in order to do that. Oh, that works too, yeah. Yeah. Uh, but it makes I, it a little I, more. Fimo-y. Fimo-y. <laughs> well, well, okay, yeah. I mean, I, I get what you're saying because if you if you put the Aves in it, because I use that for blocking out models too, but it's it's like uh, it, that cures like rock hard, right? But if you put a little bit of Fimo in it, it still has a little bit of flex to the Procreate like you would expect it to be, but it does cure a little bit harder, and I found it's easier like if you're scraping the surface and stuff on that. Mm-hmm. So. Uh, Jody, what are, what are you sculpting with right now? Uh, I I have only ever liked polymer clay. Mm-hmm. That was the um, like I I mean I I tried sculpting in green stuff you know when I was in high school and it was just annoying and frustrating and sticky. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, and and like once I once I started sculpting in polymer clay, it was just like a light switched on. Um, and you know everything was like you know this uh, what I have in my mind is actually you know happening on the clay. Yeah. Well, what what There's kind a, of what kind of flavor of polymer clay are you using the most? Uh, I I usually well I I use whatever's available. Um, I usually mix it with Sculpey Firm. Okay. Uh, I was using exclusively Sculpey Firm for a bit because it's you know when when it cures it's very hard. Oh yeah. Uh, but then I found like when you're doing extremely small detail, it's, it's kind of grainy. So I started mixing in, um, uh, softer clays with it so that Hmm. you could get the, um, the firmness and the, the durability of, of the Sculpey firm, but still have a nice, uh, smooth finish on it. Any of you guys tried working with uh, monster clay or, uh, 
Chavant. I, I have some blocks that's of Chavant, not, not but curing clay, right? That's oil yeah. based. Yeah, yeah, the, it never cures. Yeah, that scares me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah for, for doing miniatures, I I don't think I would so, want to put the time into doing. You know, I mean, I can see it. You know, as like a big, like a big thing if you were going to take it to a, a foundry or something like that. But yeah, I don't. I can't see doing miniatures. You know, in in that. But uh, uh, I mean, but that's what that's what I learned on. Like, but you know, when I was in elementary school. It's like the kids would go over to to do the get the crayons and stuff, and they you know, mm-hmm. like and and there would be a box of like modeling clay that was like the plasticine like or plastiline or whatever it's called that you were talking about, and that's what I would always get, and I'd make dinosaurs and you know uh, King Kong and all that type of stuff out of it. So uh, and it you know it, it it's evolved into this, um, but that's that was kind of my earliest exposure to like an oil based clay. Uh, I do use it for uh, for building mold boxes and things like that, or you know. Yeah, hmm. yeah. Who's the molding? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, and uh, Patrick, I I totally have a bone to pick with you. Uh oh. Um, a, a slight uh, segue, only because uh, as I'm I'm painting this uh, this Viking barbarian from uh, Redbox Games. <laughs> I, uh, the, the one thing that I keep ending up noticing every time I paint somebody is belt buckles. Uh, <laughs> uh-oh. All right. How the hell else do you keep the belt together? Well, uh, you know, Wizard Patrick glue. Patrick made a uh, made a very good point the other day that that has totally screwed with my mind, and that is belt buckles only work in one direction. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That, that, that was a very popular post for, for a while. I mean, yeah, I saw that one. Yeah, and like one. every model I've picked up, I, I'm looking, and I'll, I'll be painting, and I'll be like, "Oh, this is an awesome model." And then I'll look, I'll get to like the belt, and I'll be like, "Does it does it have a does it have a thing on it?" Yeah, it does. Yeah. Is it going the right direction? I don't know. Damn it. Uh, <laughs> yes, yeah, I think so. <laughs> Yeah, the, the the rule is is that that the prong faces it always faces uh, away from the tip of the belt. That's you know, uh, right. It, which that's otherwise it won't work. I mean, it's just it's not gonna. And and every time that that I and this this goes back to like back in the days when like Werner Klocka was was sculpting all the buckles and stuff on like all the Reaper miniatures, and I was kind of coming up sort of following him, and I was looking at like all of his sculpts and everything, and you know, it just occurs to you just right off that, well, that's backwards. That's that's not going to work. It's just you know when you're when you're focusing on those little <laughs> details, you know, it, and it sticks out. Then you can't unsee it. I mean, it's it's like always there. So yeah. even when I get a piece of concept art now, like from anybody, I'm just like, that's wrong. <laughs> <It's-> <laughs> no, I I because I literally I have every miniature I've picked up since I look for the belt or I. As I'm going along, I look at the belt and I'm like, damn it, it's the wrong direction. Or not. (laughs) Or in the case of this guy, he's just got knots. He said, screw the buckle. I'm just going to knot That's the best way to go. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. Buckles suck. That was a common, uh, uh, I guess, method of of tying buckles back then because they didn't really, you know, when you made a belt... They didn't notch them out for the for the pin. Yeah, uh, at least not commonly. Yeah, you know, they would pull it and then wrap it around and 
tie it all. Yeah, yeah. Oh, totally makes sense. But it was it was still funny. As I'm painting, I'm like, wait, I'm painting the belt, and Patrick's here. (laughs) I'm looking for the way the belt buckle goes. Yeah, (laughs) no, there isn't one. (laughs) I've started doing it myself now. So yeah, I go back. I just did a a D ring lately. D ring, yeah. Yeah, the the double D rings that you slip through and and do the other way. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. that was fun. Yeah, Rigger's that belt. When I was in the military, I had one of those. That was that one was really nice. Yeah. All right. So, some of the other things that uh, I was interested in is um, I know Trey has done it, and actually, I uh, I recently. Um, ordered his uh, pre-orders for stuff coming out. Wow. And I know Patrick was talking about it before Christmas um, <clears throat> as well, or around Christmas, New Year's episode. But that is moving away from Kickstarter and actually moving into just doing pre-orders. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, Trey, I- I'll start with you. How is that one working out for you? Well, uh, it paid for it paid for its own production, uh, but it. I mean, I, I, I don't, <laughs> I don't want to sound. Uh, I, I don't want to 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 come across as you know, uh, whining or anything. It, it just for for this particular run of product it just kind of proved to me that, that going through Kickstarter is probably a necessity of business. Uh, in the same amount of time that I ran the, the pre-order mm-hmm. discount, uh, I think the last count on uh, Sunday afternoon was, I think, 62 or 63 orders for the pre-order stuff. And, and those 63 did not even include from the pre-order. So some of those would have one or two items from the pre-order. And then they of course they would also buy from the store, which is great. But, uh, in, if I had run that through Kickstarter in the same amount of time, there might have been 200 to uh, 300 orders. Or two, two to three hundred backers in the same amount of time. And granted, not all of them would have backed for everything that I was offering, but it's it's a pretty it's a pretty drastic difference between. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, I don't know if it's if if it's maybe Kickstarter is just a better way for people to keep track of things that they buy. The the item is. In production, um, I don't know. I mean, Tom and I talk about Kickstarter versus regular business and the ins and outs that 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 creates. We talk about it all the time. Every time <laughs> I've spoken to Patrick, we talk about it. Yeah. yeah. Every time I've spoken well, to Brady, we talk about it. You know, it's, it, this is this is. Yeah, Kickstarter, Kickstarter is is a very big topic. Whenever I talk to you guys on the phone, it's, yeah. it always comes up. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, I think- Patrick, uh, 
I know that you have uh, have started to move down this line, and you're doing monthly specials and things of that nature. So, how is it for you so far? Okay, well, well, Vicky and I had a had a meeting about this um, last fall. Okay, and we talked about you know because our our we had conditioned our customers to look for Kickstarter projects. Okay, so that means that we were pretty much zero on web store sales, like all the time, unless they were coming through fulfillment. And just the the amount of work that it takes in order to do a Kickstarter project and do the fulfillment and and all that on it, it it's peaks and valleys. So it it really kind of takes over you know too much of our time you know to do that. And and I would rather spread out the web store sales where, you know, we're putting out releases every month. So, you know, and I, I talked with Jim Ludwig over at Dark Sword Miniatures, you know, who's run a couple of Kickstarter projects. And whenever we talk on the phone about it, you know, um, he's already, you know, because he's been an established company with Dark Sword Miniatures, you know, for a, a lot longer than I have been. And so, you know, I talked to him about, you know, what, you know, what's this, how does this work for you? And, you know, and that sort of thing. And, you know, we came to the conclusion whenever we were talking about that is that, you know, we've trained our backers in order to just expect, you know, the Kickstarter project so they don't ever come to the web store. And we've put out new releases and gone to shows and they've, you know, we've had um, attendees come by and look in the case and go like, well, where'd this miniature come from? Where did that miniature? It's like, we just put those out and they were like, those were not on a Kickstarter. And they were just like <laughs> amazed that, oh you, oh, you put out, you know, something that we didn't know about, you know. And so I was like, okay, so that's obviously the case. So, you know, what we're trying to do, and we started this in December where it's like, look, we're going to try to drive our customers back to the web store and start, you know, moving away from Kickstarter and these big peaks and valleys and start to level out our releases rather than doing like a big chunk of like 12 or 14 miniatures in a release you know, let's kind of spread that out and we can actually put out more miniatures by putting out two or three of them a month, you know, and that kind of thing, as long as I can control my schedule. So, um, and, and right, right about the same time that, that Trey had started talking about like, well, you know, I kind of want to move away from that. Right. And that, you know, and you posted the thing. I was like, holy cow, we were just talking about that because, um, uh, the um, what is it? North Star Miniatures, they do these like Nick starters, right? Yeah, um, yeah. Okay, with yeah. you know for Frostgrave, and now they're going to do, and uh, they did that for Rogue Stars for their little sci-fi thing. And I was like, man, that's a great idea, you know, because we've had you know success in the web store by putting little bundles out there and little you know deals and stuff that you know people kind of like that, and that's essentially what they're doing. But you, uh, you know, we've got to build the customer base you know, in order to do that first. So I've been uh, really hard to do. Yeah, yeah it, it's very difficult. And, and, <laughs> and you know, because it's like, you know, you try to post your stuff out there and just it's a shotgun effect, you know. Mm-hmm. But the, the reason why you're seeing all this saturated stuff coming out from Bobshell is because we're trying to let people know, hey, we're trying a different thing. You know, we still have stuff in the web store, you know, come and get it. And, but, you know, before we launch, you know, our big, uh, campaign for the Counterblast book, uh, which is coming later this year. So, uh, and, well, I mean the new book. I mean the, the games have been out, you know, for a couple of years, but we're we're doing the new deluxe version of it. So, um, 
So we want to kind of to not go to Kickstarter, and we want to offer the same kind of deals that we have on on the the Kickstarter project, but just you know run it in the web store and not have to give up that ten percent, you know. Yeah. And um, so you know, so we're we're going to see if it works, you know. But there's there's a lot of front loading, you know, that has to go into it in order to make something like that successful for, you know, what we want to do on it. Um, but, you know, I look at hassle-free and they're, they're putting out releases all the time, you know, and, and they've been doing it since before I started sculpting, you know, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so. They've had um, that long to, to develop a customer base. Mm-hmm. Right, right, and you look at the likes on their pages and all that, and yeah. it's, it's enormous, you know, because they've yeah. he's got a big a big audience for that, you know, and so that's when, that's when I when I release a miniature, it's usually less than twenty sales, like the first month or two. Mm-hmm. Wow, yeah. It's, Have you done a Kickstarter except for your first one, Jody? Uh, no, no, I I I did that one, um, and I've I've I had so many like issues come up in life, mm-hmm. you know, with with uh, my wife getting pregnant. And you know, I was on a motorcycle. I got hit by a car. Oh, um, yeah. yeah, I remember you know, that. Just, uh, yeah, a, you know, a lot of stuff um, had had been happening, and I'm finally like back on track. Yeah. Where like, you know, I'm looking at, I've got one, two, three, four, five, six. I've got like eight sculptures on my desk right now, uh, and I could release half of them. Um, oh, these are for you. Good, awesome. Mm-hmm. Glad to hear that. What's that? Uh, the, these are these are for your your business. They're not. Yeah. Not, yeah. No, I don't. I I, I don't. That. I don't like doing commissions. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I, I I'd be better off working at McDonald's than doing commissions with with the way that I sculpt. <laughs> <laughs> um. But uh, yeah, yeah. Sometimes. What you say, Tom? <laughs> I said I feel the same way sometimes. Yeah, yeah. So do I. <laughs> oh yeah, th- that's my bread and butter. I've I gotta I gotta do the the stuff for it. But but see, I want to transition out of that, you know. Mm-hmm. And it's 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 really kind of a thing. You, you know, right now my day job is actually sculpting for other companies. Yeah, know? that's a good and point. It, and it used to be sitting in a cube, right? I would sit in a cube and take yeah. calls, and then I transitioned into sculpting professionally. But now I'm kind of sitting in the professional sculptor cube, right? (laughs) It's it's like, so any of the stuff that I do for bombshell or any of that stuff, I have to do in my spare time in a way, uh, you know, because I've got to work it in between all of this client stuff. And that's one thing that I kind of uh, envy about, you know, like you guys and like um, uh, Kev White, you know, for example, that's like, well, you know, he's, he's only sculpted pretty much for hassle, hassle free. You know, and that was one of the models that I looked at. It's like, well, I kind of want to do that. I want to be able to sculpt what I want, you know, and come up with my own designs and, and all that kind of thing and, and put that stuff out. Um, so, you know, well, Jody, you were talking about you've got like eight pieces or whatever. And are these the ones that you didn't or that you were still working on from uh, the Kickstarter project or? Yeah, I've, I've got I've got stuff that I've. I'm I'm doing for the Kickstarter project, and then I've got stuff like uh, I wanted to add to the Kickstarter project because um, you know o- over time, like my my sculpting style and my skill has increased or, or changed. So uh, I'm looking at miniatures like my old goblins that I did 
um, you know, like six years ago. Mm-hmm. And and to me, like compared to what I sculpt now, they they suck. So, um, I I you know I, I hate them. I can't look at them. I don't want to sell them. Um, so I you know uh, started sculpting more stuff. You know, because uh, you know if you're putting out a range of miniatures, um, you know you want to uh, have something that's cohesive and. Um, you know, you kind of, you, you, you sort of get a feel for, um, what works for people and what doesn't like my, my, my null miniature. I, I told Patrick, I've sold 12 nulls, which is crazy because it's like that. When I saw the Kickstarter, I was like, okay, I've got to have that <laughs> and these I'm and, you know, of- yeah. So, I mean, I was really glad to get that. I've only sold 12 of them. Man, that's, I, I don't get that. Well, yeah. you know. Um, yeah. So is that just sales after your Kickstarter? Is you've only sold twelve yeah. of them since? Well, because the null was, um, for the most part, the null was a, a free add-on for people. Mm. So um, you know, a lot of people got it for free, which means I, I didn't make any money on it. So right. Um, <laughs> so um, what whatever I make on you know the online store is you know eventually then the null will will pay for pay for its own existence um but it'll be a while (laughs) of course of course that is part of the danger of uh kickstarter and stretch goals and saying well here's this guy that you know is free is the fact that he's not really free he does have a cost he has your time Mm -hmm. your effort right and, and so you know that's i i know for patrick that's been that's been part of your uh your issue is the fact that you will, you know, you'll run, you know, like babes and you'll have your stretch goals and, and, you know, sometimes, you know, it ends up being, there's a lot more to do. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. You know, and even possibly you were originally planned. I guess that's the big part is that you end up with more work than you originally planned to fulfill this. Yeah, but I mean, the, the thing about it is, is that you're working against like a projected um, uh, fulfillment date, okay? And so we've we've kind of imposed an artificial fulfillment date on Babes Three because we want to have the stuff to the backers and to take it to Adepticon, right? So, uh, and I've still got three sculpts that are not done, so I've got to finish those sculpts and have them put into production and cast, and then Vicky's got to package those up and send them out before we can, you know, actually, and still, you know, between now and the time to go to the show. So, um, so yeah, that's, that's what kind of creates the crunch on it, you know, because otherwise it's like, well, I would just, you know, sculpt until I got them done and then we had them made and, and put them out. But, um, I think that, I think people that back Kickstarter projects are a lot more patient it, I don't know that there's so much patient, you know, than they used to be on waiting to get their rewards as that I think that they're just not, they're distracted, right? So uh, there's not as many complaints. Like, you know, you go and, and look at a lot of the stuff, and I think that people are kind of conditioned to, okay, well, I just know it's going to be late, <laughs> you know? <laughs> Definitely. Definitely. I, I know that I have a, a few that – um yeah, I've been a been a you know couple years uh, over the couple years it was going to take them to do. 
Uh, and I actually have one, one that that finally canceled on me. Mm-hmm. They just went, you know what? I, and the worst part is, is even during the Kickstarter, a major company picked them up and was like, "Yes, we will help you make this product." And then the major company just came out and went, "Yeah, sorry guys, um, they were over ambitious, and we ended up being over ambitious." Wow. Well, who who was this? Uh, this this is actually for some photography stuff. So wow, okay, okay. Right. yeah, and you know, so so you know, it was it was like a you know a major kind of whoa whoa what <laughs> when even a major company that's in this is like yeah we've actually spent way more money than they even raised with the Kickstarter to do this. Don't see me. Mm. Yeah. It, um, so yeah, and uh, poor Tim over there, he's got his opinions on Kickstarter, <laughs> and, and and he's trying to keep them to himself. He's even holding his mouth closed right now. It, it's it's kind of amusing. Yeah, very much it's, so. I think it's almost <laughs> it's it's kind of like a necessary evil though, because with without it, uh, you can't <clears throat> you, you don't have the customer base. Like, right, you know. If, if I'm going to release a miniature and sell it to the same, you know, 25 people every month, um, that's, that's not, uh, a, you know, a big enough customer base. You know, I, I can't rely on the same 25 people every month to, to pay my bills and, and keep sculpting. Definitely. No, uh, you know, it's, it's a very, very true thing. The, um, and, you know, Patrick brought up a really good point though, in the fact that, how do you take those 200 or 300 people that back your Kickstarter mm-hmm. and convert that into sales for, you know, your web store on a regular basis? Because right. <clears throat> there there are plenty of people that live off of uh, Kickstarter and or, you know, even the Nickstarter, um, which ironically, as, as bad of a Kickstarter habit as I personally have, um, I've never once done a Nickstarter, even though I love Frostgrave, I want everything that comes out in them. <laughs> I just, I have said, you know what? I know that this stuff will actually make it to my local game store eventually, and I'll buy it all there. <laughs> um, and that's, that's it. You know, if, if it's, if it's out in a web store, you can go back to it anytime. But if, if it's, on a Kickstarter, it's like a perishable good. You know what I mean? It's, hmm. Yeah. Well, it, it creates a so sense bad. of urgency, you know. And, yeah. and it, it, it definitely does, especially because you can offer free incentives and stuff like that because that's that's usually the thing that definitely pulls me into a Kickstarter is, you know what, here's something unique. It doesn't have to be much, but here's something unique. <laughs> well, well, let me ask you this, Excuse me. Nick, since you, you've, got, you've got kind of a... Um, I, I want to say um, not really a Kickstarter habit, but I mean it's, <laughs> it's, it's a habit. Call it it's, what it is. Okay, it's, it's a habit. All right, for for want of a better word, yeah. Um, but I mean, since you 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 know you're out there, you're looking at the projects, you're, you're doing all this stuff. Would you, as a backer, prefer to have a free thing or get a thing before everybody else? Um. And I know it may be different for different kinds of Kickstarters, like for minis or for games or, you know, whatever. But um, 
but wh- which one do you do you find that you're more drawn to? Is the free thing or the thing that it's like, well, I'm going to get this before everybody else gets it? That that that's uh, that, that's actually a good question. Um, if it was, <laughs> if it came down to because I don't necessarily back a Kickstarter for those two things. Like uh, a good example would be the um, the Ninja Turtles board game that came out right around this time last year. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, from IDW. So they they uh, put it out there, and I got the works package, which it came with some, you know, really cool art that was, you know, exclusive. I paid more than, you know, the normal box price for it and all that stuff. You know, I paid for a collector's edition, basically. And But it's only ever going to be for the Kickstarter, and mm-hmm. that was what did prompt me. Not that it was a free miniature, or not that it was I was going to get it before everyone else, because it but you was got just, it because it was exclusive. But I got it because we're offering this during the Kickstarter, and so it is something you know. It's a part of the Kickstarter that we've priced out, and but we're only offering to you. And you know that that's what gets me is that it's not it's not so much that I get it before anyone or that I get a free model with it or anything like that. It's that this is something unique to the Kickstarter. That you, you can know, only get on, on Kickstarter. Okay. All right. right. And, and you can do that with a pre-order. You know, if the Kickstarter said, you know, here is something unique with the Kickstarter, you know, yeah. here's a limited edition figure. Yeah. You're still paying for that figure, but we're only going to make it for the Kickstarter. Right. I may, may be more inclined to, you know, buy it because I do like having those, you know, kind of unique, different, not everybody sees it every day type of model. Right. Well, like, like with uh, uh, Angel Geraldo's, uh, you know, painting book or whatever, the, the first one that they put out, they had the little mini that came with it. You know, like you order the book. If you pre-order the book, you get the mini. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's yeah. like, I don't know if they were selling them later or not, but I got the mini, you know, because it was like, oh, that's that's kind of cool. And I don't know if I can get it later. You know, so right. so it it creates a you know a sense of urgency that it's like well if I don't get this I'm not going to get you know right what you're doing is you're creating a you're creating an upfront limited edition where it's like once it reaches past this point that's it so like yeah. with the Angel Geraldo's book like obviously he's still printing the book well yeah but you don't get that miniature anymore it's the same mm-hmm. thing when they when they came out you know since we're talking about him in particular and you know he does a lot with Infinity. When the N3 book first came out, which is the third edition of Infinity, it came with an exclusive bounty hunter only in the first 5,000 copies of that book. Once those 5,000 copies of that book were done, you didn't get that miniature anymore. So in a way, they're kind of creating, in in a case like that, the same thing that Nick was saying with the Kickstarter. This is a unique thing for a limited time. Yeah. If mm-hmm. you jump in on it right away, you get access to it. If you come in later, we're not screwing you. Yeah. But you just don't get the perk. You don't get the early bird special. Yeah, yeah. They're rewarding people who jump in right away rather than sitting and waiting for... Right. And that's that's what I appreciate about, you know, Kickstarter, at least for the companies that need it. You know, like, Simon, I'm not not such a big uh, 
big fan <laughs> on. There's other, you know, other large ones, and I love. Did somebody do a sound effect? The <laughs> groaning from Tim. T- Tim's no. over there biting his tongue off. Yeah. There are some major companies out there now, and Simon's a big one. We all know it. That make their living off the Kickstarter, and they don't care about the post sales. Yeah. And the problem there is it does flood the market. It floods Kickstarter. Um, you know, um, Yeji off of uh, Models Workshop, you know, they, they all last year, uh, Yeji was the one that I remember the most. Uh, but, you know, fuck you February last year. <laughs> right, right. Um, it because- was horrendous with the amount of, of uh, projects that had launched. Yeah. And it and it was, and we talked to a lot of independent people that are starting, you know, starting up. And there's been a lot of the people that we've chatted with that that have they've gotten screwed by major companies that um, you know launch launch a Kickstarter as a pre order system instead of just doing a pre order system. Yeah, well, that's that's and, what I find is is a big problem. But <clears throat> since we've got a we're on that topic. What I want to hear from you guys is what are your opinions? Because I've got a soapbox about this. What are your individual opinions about <laughs> giant companies here, coming? Huh? I say I think we, we all have that soapbox. I think we all agree with you, man. Yeah, you, you know, <laughs> you know what I'm I'm going to ask you is that how do you feel about the giant established big box companies coming in and launching a Kickstarter project when as an indie creator you're out there trying to run your project do you feel that 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 has affected you on your projects or or you know or what are your opinions on that because i've i've it absolutely has an effect uh yeah well the the, let me let me just the, the 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 caveat is there's there's two arguments about it one the first argument is hey you know, the big box is the draw, so people are going to come and back the project, but they're also going to find the little guys. Hey, that's the mm-hmm. argument from the big box guys. And then the indie guys are saying, no, no, you're squashing us because uh, they don't have any money left. They don't have any money left. Onto those things. What's I that? will answer this one last. People, people, <laughs> uh, people like, like when it comes to Kickstarters, uh, you know, uh, Nick, do when 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 you're back in a Kickstarter, do you throw your whole paycheck at it, or do you just go like, here's twenty bucks? Um, I don't throw my whole paycheck at it, but I I am not usually uh, not generous with uh, backing because, like I said, I will usually go for the level that that you know does give me the you know most bang for my buck, but usually has that exclusive thing, and that's usually one of the higher tiers in it. Now, right. you know, I, I'm lucky in what I do for a career in that I usually end up with a little bit extra disposable income compared to most people. But I, I can put it put it this way: when when I first released the goblins, uh, like you know, six six years ago or whatever, or five years ago, um, when, when I first did them, I. I released them in December, and I, I think I made like ten grand in a month. Um, and and you know, to me, I was like, okay, I can be a sculptor. Cool. Yeah, that's a lot of money. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's a lot of money, and so you know, that's where it. You know, the the now. Big... Oh, now you know, if I release a miniature, I'm I'm lucky to make five hundred bucks. 
Uh, another feeling. <laughs> so it, there's this like this. You can't just uh, release one anymore either. You have to release like yeah. 10, 12, 20, 30 figures at a time just to keep people's interest. And I, I don't I don't mean that to sound like I'm complaining about the market because I'm not. That's just the way that the industry has evolved. It is a bloodbath now. <laughs> if, if you're not, I'm serious. If, if you don't have a knife in both hands, you're going to be dead on the but, floor. You know, it's, it's, you got, yeah, this is making me think of something I've been wanting. I've been thinking a lot about, um, and you know, we're talking about cool mini and the big guys. And, and one thing I really noticed about the industry as a whole is, you know, miniature gaming still out there. There's still a lot of people that will buy miniatures for fun, but a lot of it's board games. That's the big thing. It's games yeah. with flash. So the thing I'm curious about, especially as I'm about to do a small Kickstarter just to kind of get my stuff going again, is and, and we mentioned this before we start recording, but uh, I think Jody said everybody's working on a game. So what do you guys think? Do you think that we need more than our miniatures to kind of get things going to make it relevant? I mean, right now, Patrick, you're the only one with a game, and I know you're you're gearing up. Well, um, I, don't, I don't know about that. To help I think, that. I to, think Jody's got his little bar, his little pub brawl. I've got I've got a couple of games. Oh, uh, yeah. oh okay. But they're, but they're all in they're all in. Um, you know, stages of development. They're not complete products like what what Patrick has. Um, I don't want to you know take up your time talking about talking about them. Actually, the uh, uh, the the pub crawl, the bar game. I uh, I sent to a bunch of friends of mine because that's basically all we do is we get together and we drink. And I'm like, here here's a game that we can uh, <laughs> yeah, and it's we, great we can put to good use. Right. Um, right. Yeah. How how many times have you played Dungeons and Dragons and you ended up in a bar somewhere? That's usually where they start. It's not a good story if it doesn't start in a bar. Yeah, no exactly. kidding. Yeah. Yeah. There's an old man in the corner who looks very, very... <laughs> well, if you think about it, Dungeons & Dragons is just an entire long campaign of hold my beer and watch this. It makes sense for it to start. Yeah, so, yeah, I mean, it, it, the... Eventually, or essentially, the that game is is you know you've got a bunch of alcoholic adventures, and you know they come they come home from their adventures. Uh, they go into this bar, and they you know they're wasted, and they get into a bar fight. And the only way, like, when your guys take damage, the way you heal yourself is to drink beer in real life. <laughs> nice. Oh my. <laughs> that's that's awesome. So. You take a drink, your character heals a hit point. <laughs> and that's it. That's great. Yeah. So it's a way cooler drinking game. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? I I like it already. I like it even more. Mm-hmm. Because, I mean, you know, what, what's not fun about, you know, I can drink in real life and my guy gets, I don't have to roll a stupid die to see if I cast a spell to heal myself. <laughs> I just have to take a drink. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I you know, and uh, I mean, it still needs you know a, a lot of work and uh, a, a lot more play testing than than I can give it. <laughs> it sounds like we should have been playing this play game testing. as we talked all night, right? Yeah. <laughs> well, well, back to the the question, I you know the the relevance is yeah or well you know you were asking. You know, do we need to publish we need something more? Yeah, do we you need know? something more than just the miniatures? Yeah. And it, you know, it really depends on the market. It really depends on what 
you know, uh, uh, granted, it's like, you know, tabletop miniature gaming and stuff is a niche of, you know, the entertainment industry. And then you've got sub niches of that, you know, which is like you've got painters and you've got players. And then there's a certain mm-hmm. amount of crossover. Okay. Mm-hmm. I, I tend to be more of the painter type because I'm really more of, you know, like a model builder kind of thing. So I'm, a, I'm attracted to the aesthetic of, you know, the design, the miniature, the, you know, the sculpt, you know, all of that first, you know, and it's like, and, and is it in the genre that I like, you know, that kind of thing. So that's, that's what I'm kind of drawn to. So it really just depends on what kind of market you're going for. Because if you look at a company like, like Black Sun, for example, it's like, that's all just, you know, high end sculpts for yeah. the painting market. Okay. And it's like, well, do you want to put that out? Or do you want something that's kind of dark sword like where, well, we've got kind of high end pieces, but you know, they're really kind of D and D pieces and you can yeah. really sort of, straddle the fence on it but it's just high fantasy okay so that's yeah. you know so it's just this box Jim, so, jim's lines definitely straddle the the gap between collectors and gamers yeah really yeah. really well you know. plus the fact that he's the only one really putting out authorized game of thrones figures yeah. okay which yeah. is, is I'm sure that doesn't hurt right, right. <laughs> If you can add some value to the product, you know, like if if you make stuff for Warhammer, then yeah. there's 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 value in that. You know, you you can use it for your your Mordheim or your Necromunda or or whatever. You know, when you've got that miniature, it's like, oh, I can use it for something. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. Uh, but if, if you're just making miniatures for the sake of making miniatures, then they're they're not worthless. They just you know this. There's less value for for customers in terms of what they can do with them, you know, if that they make sense. sense. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, Reaper built their whole their whole model on on we're going to ride the coattails of D and D, you know, mm-hmm. right? Because it was like after after Ralph Partha kind of tanked, it's like, well, where are you going to get your your adventurers? Where are you going to get your monsters and stuff? There's nobody putting that stuff out, so you know, Reaper stepped in and they they filled that that need, you know, where it's like, okay, well, now we've got all the different character types that you could ever think of and, you know, all the monsters and all that type of stuff. So, uh, you know, it's, um, they do have, you know, their warlord game, you know, but I don't, I don't know what their player base is. It's like, well, how many people are playing that and how many, you know, releases are they putting out for that? And how well is it supported? You know, that most of Reaper's customer base are just just general gamers. You know? Yeah, they're painters. When, when you look at their Bones project, it's not for their Warlord game. Okay, that's for like, hey, I can get forty plastic orcs for two dollars. You know, and and now I've got you know all of the the stuff for the encounter on Saturday night. You know. Oh yeah. And that's a yeah. that's a need. I mean, there's obviously a need for it because. You know they've got a, a, a huge audience for that because there's there's nobody else really putting that stuff out. You know, mm-hmm. and, and that's that's actually a really good point. Is that you know, like if I need monsters, and actually Ash Barker mentioned it one day because he's gotten a lot of the big monsters, the bones ones, because you know it's like I can throw some paint on these, I can use them as monsters. You know, they're just they're chaff. They they don't matter as much. And I forget which game he was playing, but he had one of the Bones monsters, and it fell over, 
And as it was falling, the guy he was playing against like jumped and he, he went, you know, oh, don't worry about it. It's just a, you know, it's a bones. It's, <laughs> you know, so I don't have to worry about it chipping the paint and all yeah. this and that. Yeah. You know, it was. It it's was a gaming really... piece. It's it's literally a gaming piece, you know. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, and, and the, you know, you can attribute the success of it is like, well, there's, there's a market need for that. There's, you know, um, which I think that they filled really well. You know, and I, I can't call that anymore because it's like when I, when Ron called me and he said, uh, "Hey, man, we're going to launch our our Kickstarter project. Go check it out." And I was like, "Oh, okay." So I I went and looked at it, and it was like you know bones, and it had like thirty grand, you know, for their funding goal, and they had just started. And I looked at what they were offering in their initial the little package before any of the stretch goals or any of the stuff added on. And I went, what "The hell is this?" <laughs> this is all the same shit that you've been putting out for years. Now it's just plastic. And I just didn't get it. You know, I didn't get what they were doing until I could see later. It's like, oh, oh, okay, right. You're you're targeting this particular need that gamers have, you know, for these particular kinds of figures. And then it worked. But see, I'm not coming at it from that kind of viewpoint. It's like I'm coming at it more of like kind of the dark sort of viewpoint where it's like, well, I'm really kind of putting out specialty boutique type of things, you know, that's like, well, I have these interests and things that I want to sculpt and things that I want to do. And I'm trying to find other gamers slash painters that like that stuff mm-hmm. that don't know about it. You know, it's like, Oh, so you're putting out stuff. That's like, it's Necromunda meets Buck Rogers. Yes. <laughs> I want to find <laughs> you. Anybody that plays like dust or secrets of the third Reich or, you know, any, anything diesel punk, Please come and see my stuff because we're going to be doing more of you know that kind of thing and and I like that stuff and I know there's other people out there that like it and and so a lot of you know that retro kind of sci-fi flavor is is in you know most of what we do so um, it's just you got to find that audience and it's it's hard to do it's you know it's it's uh, yeah you know. Uh, you bring up a good point too, because we're all kind of eclectic guys. I mean, we're trying to we're sculpting miniatures. You know, I mean, we no. could just be buying miniatures and playing them and and painting them, and but no, we're making them. And right. So right. our views are a little skewed there. I, I find that with the way I back Kickstarters now, and and just the kind of things that I invest in and play with. Uh, yeah. So it's hard to get out yeah. of your own head sometimes. Well, and well, look as at a the market as, and what as, you can really do. Yeah. Well, as a creator, I I hate to jump in, but as a creator, do you guys find that you, because you spend a lot of time sculpting, do you find yourself that, well, I don't, I don't play as much or I don't paint as much or do any of the other hobby stuff because I'm spending all my time making the stuff now? You know, I, I never, yeah, go ahead. I never played, uh, any kind of, uh, miniatures games before I got into miniatures. I played D&D. Heretic! <laughs> yeah, yeah. No. Uh, I played D&D, but we never used miniatures. Wow, okay. Yeah, and I always liked them. <laughs> I never owned any for some reason. I have no, really have no idea why. Uh, I mean, I owned some when I was a, when I was a little kid, um, but uh, didn't, didn't own any as an adult. Uh, until I decided I wanted to sculpt them for a living. And then I started going out and buying several different ones. Yeah. Uh, but I I would game more uh, if I was able to find a group 
that I could game with well. Because for me, gaming has always been kind of like being in a band. Yeah. You mm-hmm. find the right guys yeah. to, to yep. kind of click with or the right the right group of people to click with to, to really get into it the way that, that you should. So It's kind of a personal thing, yeah. Yeah, I I mean before I had kids, yeah, I um I was definitely all about all about gaming and stuff and now it's 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 hard cuz I I'd, I'd, I'd rather be hanging out with my kid than playing games. Yeah. That's that's part of being couple a couple years you can game <laughs> and hang out. Yeah. <laughs> oh, boy. Yeah, this is the first time I mean I I've, I've kept up with board games. I kind of saved my gaming life cuz I just when you're sculpting all the time it's very hard to paint and play miniature games. Um, so board games saved me there for a while, but I'm making a very concerted effort this year to paint up some stuff and actually game with it. Cause I realized as much as I like board games, I absolutely love miniatures. And if I'm going to be playing games, that's the kind of game I want to play. Yeah. I'm sick of having a lead sit in a box. <laughs> so these are getting to the age now where they're, they're probably ready to start playing serious games, you know, so I, I think our gaming will probably increase exponentially soon. hope so, anyway. <laughs> so I've noticed that there's a big trend with uh, board games moving into, you know, that mashup of the miniature games, you know, more and more they're coming with, yeah. you know, lots of miniatures. And then some of them are having, you know, rule sets that... <clears throat> You know, yeah, it's it's rules, and they give you the boards and and pieces like that. But their rules are also open enough that you don't need the boards. Yeah, <laughs> you know, it's it's kind of that good, convenient. You know, convenient that gateway drug into uh, miniature gaming. Yeah, you know, I can play this, and ooh, you know, Joe over there on Facebook is he's doing this now, and the creator says, "Hey, that's awesome." I want to do that too. Yeah. Yeah. The, uh, the, the trend in the, well, the trend in the miniatures industry almost seems to be moving more and more board game like in the format of the products. And certainly the, the trend that I see in board games, at least that show up on Kickstarter, t- tends to be miniatures, you know, and, and that's, Typically, what is actually selling a lot of these huge project games is the miniatures. And I've, I've seen people argue that, no, it's not the miniatures that are making people buy the game. It's the game. And I'm like, well, if that was the case, then you wouldn't be seeing every single stretch goal introducing a new set of miniatures. You'd see every single stretch goal introducing a new card or a new token or something mm-hmm. that 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 was more game oriented than it was figure oriented and not, not saying that the game doesn't have anything to do with it. I just mean that it seems like in a lot of instances, uh, the miniatures are kind of the, the driving force of the marketing for the games. Mm -hmm. Uh, They're, they're like downplaying the value of their miniatures by offering you, you know, a hundred of them or $25. Yeah. Yeah, on, on the show that, that we talked about, I, I'm, I'm sorry, I didn't want to interrupt no, you. No, go ahead. You go ahead. Pat. Oh, well, on the show that we, we did over the holidays on Skirmish Supremacy, um, what was it? Uh, Benson 
was on uh, talking about exiles and all this kind of, and I'm sculpting for them. Uh, so I wanted to do a shout out. Cause he's, he's awesome. Hey Benson. Yeah. I, I didn't, um, I didn't know that he was on that. Uh, yeah. He, he sent me a contract and it's all official and I'm sculpting some exiles for him. So wait, um, is that what was on that board? I, I know that, you know, I mean, mine had a penis on it. Yours didn't have a penis. So. No, but he, he <laughs> made a lot of lovey, lovey talk on it. So it was, it was pretty funny. <laughs> but, uh, but anyway, but, but when we were on the show together, the, the, like over the holidays, you know, we, the, the topic came up that we were talking about, which is, is this topic where it's like, well, what's, what's the draw for a game? And it's the aesthetic of it, you know, because as much as we don't want to say, hey, judge a book by its cover, right? That's what we do. It's like, yeah. if I'm going to buy a, a fantasy novel and it's got a Frazetta cover on it, I'm going to pick it up and, and check it out, right? That's the draw. That's why he was so popular was because... You know, that's that's what made you want to to check the book out. Okay, so the aesthetic is the draw for the game. So the aesthetic is going to come in the the form of the miniatures, the art, you know, the packaging, all of the the stuff that it's like you're going to instantly look at it before you can read anything. And what I I mentioned on that was it's like there's nobody that's ever going to say, oh, my gosh, I'm going to get that game because it's got an awesome initiative turn. (laughs) (laughs) nobody will ever ever say that because it's like that doesn't matter it's 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 like Mm -hmm. it's the cool background that you know about these characters or it's the cool setting or you know all of the the draw is the aesthetic of it you know and that's what these board games have they've got great aesthetics because they've got great miniatures and all this type of stuff but it's like do i care whether it's i go you go or we yeah that comes later you know but you're going to walk into a store and you're going to pick up that box game based on what's on the cover of it. And then you flip it over and there's a bunch of pictures of like miniatures on the back of it and you go like, wow, I'm, I'm going to get that, you know. I'll, I'll say this. Absolutely. From my own experience over, over the years, you know, creating figures that really could fit into any fantasy game out there, the most regular, uh, I wouldn't really call it a criticism, it's, it's more... Uh, the most regular feedback that I get is, hey, when are you going to make a game to go with these figures? Yeah. So you, you can't say the game doesn't make a difference or that it doesn't matter because it does. It, oh, it, it does. Yeah, yeah. People well, like yeah. the whole package. That's they, what yeah, prompted my exactly. question because it's obviously a factor. Everything. Right. I, I would say that the biggest one to look at is um, it is you know everybody's favorite company, Games Workshop. You know, and... <laughs> And for years now, they've gone, we're a model company, and we just happen to publish a set of rules. <laughs> now, how many of us would have spent how many thousands of dollars on those models if they didn't have those sets of rules? That's very true. Yeah, that's true, yeah. I, you know, they, there's, there's almost none of us that would yeah. actually have bought those models without some sort of rule set to go with them. And the fact well, that certainly comes, not that many. Exactly, yeah. you know, and, and not in those. You wouldn't need to buy you know, three boxes of dwarf. Now, at the same time, and you know, I would say that a game, a game is a huge draw. You know, actually having a set of rules, but if the models themselves are standalone, awesome. So, you know, red box games, miniatures. I know games that I can use them in. You know. D&D, Frostgrave, et cetera, et cetera, you know, right off the, you know, right off the bat, you know, there's, 
There's games that I, you know, I look at it and I go, you know what? I can totally use this guy somewhere else. Yeah. I know, Thantis, Tim. I was just trying not to say it because you were trying not to get that mixed in this episode. Thought we were trying to do one episode. I, I, of my- I told I told you not to say anything about it, but you know. <laughs> yeah, Tim, tell us how Modiphius engines or the oh, engines going. <laughs> <laughs> my uh, my first miniature was uh, the Shire Dragon. I think it was like like Grenadier or Ralph Partha that made it. But that was my my very first miniature I ever bought was this pewter dragon. It was called a Shire Dragon. Uh, and uh, yeah, I, I bought it solely for the sake of I wanted to paint this miniature. And my yeah. second miniature was a Space Marine. <laughs> but <laughs> so uh, my my first miniatures were actually um, Ralph Partha Metal BattleTech miniatures. Wow! Oh yeah. Okay. Um, and, and it was all based off my older brother had played the um, played, and he's he's eleven or twelve years older than me. He had played uh, Battletech with just the little paper cutouts and all that years before. And I'd always been like, I want to play Battletech, you know, da 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 da. And when I was old enough to actually, you know, like buy stuff off the internet, you know, I was like, yeah, sure, I will buy these. Never played them, but, you know, I got them and. I think I spray painted them green. And I was like, yes, I am awesome. This was before you actually could act, post a picture on the internet. No. <laughs> yeah. So, I yeah, I do think I I, I got um, into BattleTech as well. Uh, I don't know if I got into it before Games Workshop or not. I think it was before and some Dungeon Dragons. I think I, I I bought that Space Marine just for funsies. Wow. Uh, <laughs> but. I, Definitely played some BattleTech, or intended to, and, and bought my interest board. <laughs> right. Well, um, so I guess I guess in uh, summary, Tom, rules are rules are uh, handy to have. They're not absolutely required, depending on how non-specific, sort of generic it is. And yeah. uh, one last example I would give is. Um, from Heath Foley and his Wander line, mm-hmm. you know he has plans for a board game. Actually, today he gave uh, some some screenshots of a board game to go with the miniatures that he's that he's come out with. They're cool. they're going to be demoing that game at Adepticon, and the Are reason that I too? know that well, I'm sorry, what he's going to be there too. Yeah, Heath is going to be at. Uh, they're they're going to have. Uh, he's going to have his own little setup along with. Um, awesome. Uh, on the lamb, and they'll be kind of attached to a secret weapon. And the reason cool. I know all of the inside of that is because I'm sculpting those models for the board games. So, um, <laughs> man, Patrick, he, uh, when are you going to sculpt some of your own stuff? I, 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 you know, if it <laughs> if it paid as well, I, I would. It's, you know, as soon as I can. Uh, as soon as I can start selling more stuff, it'll it'll transition. But but right now, I've I've got a lot of clients I got to do stuff for. But um, but no, the the wander thing. Uh, you know, he's been telling me about the board game stuff that they've been developing and and all that. And um, so they're what they're going to try to do is is demo the the 
the rules and stuff at Adepticon, and then they're going to launch a little Kickstarter project, you know, in order to fund the production and stuff on it. And so I've got three more sculpts to finish up and, and try to get resin casts done for the, uh, for their demo set to, to <laughs> take to the show. Yeah. No pressure. No pressure. Yeah. I'll be right back. I just have to step away from the camera for just a second. All right. <laughs> if if you liked BattleTech, um, there's a there's a a page on Instagram called Immortal Kings. Immortal Kings. Immortal Kings game, and um, that's like the first time. See, I only buy miniatures when I look at it and go, "There's that's so awesome." There's no way I could I could reproduce that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. So, uh, yeah, I I I saw those and I was just like, "Holy shit!" I when when this game comes out, I'm I'm gonna get it. Um. So yeah, big robots with guns. It, it looks really cool. Big robots with guns. Yes, there it is. Look at that. That that is kind of cool. As um, as a nice digital render right there. Hmm. Um, the printed copies look uh, look pretty slick. I I like that. I think they're fairly large too. Like they look like big meaty miniatures. Oh wow! They they do look they do look pretty meaty. They're they're probably in the uh, cool. I don't know what fifty four millimeter range at least. Uh, I mean, just judging like, by that thing, that could be like six inches tall. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that. I was trying to give force oh, perspective cool. since it was close to us, but you you might be right. Um, well, there's a spray bottle in the background. Yeah, yeah I mean, look look at the look at the little battle map or the the cutting mat on the ground. You can see the the inch. Wait, they've got something here. Uh, What's the name of that again? Immortal Kings game, and they've got some base inserts. It looks like it goes from. Uh, uh, it's not very. It looks like it goes up to sixty millimeter in size for the bases. Yeah, that's pretty sweet looking, though. Yeah. No. All right. <laughs> Nobody can see this on the podcast. Sorry, guys. I know. Right? Right? Oops, you're just talking about screen share. Somebody screen share quick. Yeah, we're all. Um, so Immortal King Games, everyone look it up, those those mechs. You know, there was only a couple of them that I saw there. They're, they are pretty awesome. Um, ni- nice little mix of stuff. All right, so it has been a lovely evening. I don't even know exactly how long we've gone. It's been a while. About an hour <laughs> and 20 minutes. Yeah, oh, this is nothing compared it's... to what we normally do. Yeah. <laughs> I know. <laughs> we call each other. I, I, you know what, Tim and I, when we were talking about it earlier this week, Tim's like, oh, well, we'll probably have to make this episode a little long. I guess 20 minutes is a little too long for Tim. It has nothing to do with that. <laughs> no. It has everything to do with the fact that uh, I have to get up early in the morning. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Always whining. Yeah. Swipe or no swiping. <laughs> All right, so. Starting with Patrick, pimp yourself out. Uh, well, you can find all of our stuff on bombshellminis.com. That's bombshellminis, M-I-N-I-S, 
com, and it's we've got all the the counterblast stuff on there that we're we're going to be coming out with. We're going out to Adepticon next. That's our big push, is to get all of the stuff released for uh, or fin- you know finished up uh, production wise to release at Adepticon. Uh, I got the new big stompy robot that we're going to be taking, and uh, some new. Um, uh, alien figures and and that sort of stuff for the for the game. We're going to be running demos of Counterblast at the show. Uh, I'm hoping to have two tables set up there where you know we've got two different setups to kind of come and try Counterblast out, and and that's kind of the big deal. Babes three, we're wrapping that up. We're going to have a whole bunch of new babes and Critterkins and sidekicks and all that type of stuff at the show. So um, so come by and check us out. You know if you guys get to go to Adepticon. Sweet. All right, and uh, Counterpla- Counterblast is his <laughs> retro sci-fi game. Yeah, he's mentioned a couple times. I don't know if he's actually associated those names together. Um, and they do have Facebook groups for Bombshell Minis and Counterblast. Yeah, and you can get to the links for that on our on our Bombshell page. So you can just click through, and it'll take you right to the groups. <clears throat> so, and in the uh, description for the podcast, there should be links as well. Cool. Uh, Tim, make a note to actually do that. I always do. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Jody. Yeah. Uh, okay. So uh, my company is Embryon Arts. Um, I sculpt miniatures. I um, don't know, really know how to describe them. Um, <laughs> awesome. They're cool. <laughs> they're. they're um, uh, yeah. If you like goblins and and undead stuff. Uh, check it out. It's, you know, I just I just sculpt weird stuff that that nobody else does, and uh, yeah. Um, Facebook, Embryon Arts. Uh, I've got a newsletter on the website embryonarts.com. So um, I've, like I said, I've got about eight miniatures like on my desk right now that I want to release. Uh, so if you uh, jump on Facebook and like the page or subscribe to the newsletter. Um, you'll you'll know when they come out. Man, if one of those miniatures is that little elf musician, you know that would be cool. <laughs> hint, hint. Yeah, the one from the Kickstarter. I think she's like playing a flute or something like that. Oh, okay. Yeah, no, no, that's that's uh, that's not an undead. Uh, that's not a, an elf. That's like uh, you know, crazy undead mutant lady who's you know flying around on a carpet uh, held up by entrails. Oh, okay, <laughs> okay. It got a little weird, but interesting <laughs> at the same time there. Um, and and actually, the funny part is I, I was typing to Tim the name of uh, Imbrium, and uh, it kept trying to change it to I'm Brian. So, <laughs> yeah. so just take I'm Brian and, you know, just put that together. Easy to remember then. Really, really, I, I should have thought out that uh, name. I, I like the I don't like the name. It's just <laughs> autocorrect hates, you know, weird things. So, <laughs> you know, it's all good. It's a time period in history. You've got, you know, your Cretaceous period, your your Paleozoic, your Imbrium. Yeah. 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 All right. So, Tom, go ahead. All right. You can uh, find me and see what I'm doing on YouTube.com slash Tom Mason Sculptor. That's where I... Uh, produce the mini sculpting super show where I teach everybody else, uh, anybody that wants to, how to sculpt miniatures and and talk about what I'm doing. Uh, and if you want to support me in the show, you can also go to my Patreon page, which is patreon.com/slash Mason Studios. And there's some uh, 
good little community building up there and some extra little uh, perks you get for supporting the show. Uh, there was one thing I did have to ask you, Tom, that uh, that I yeah. just remembered. You are doing currently 100 Days of Miniatures. And what oh, is yeah, I keep thing? forgetting to cross-promote these things. Yeah, so 100 Days <laughs> of Making Minis, <laughs> which, uh, you know, I, as was mentioned, I've started, I've started a new job. I used to be a full-time sculptor for Megacon Games, but I, I'm back uh, kind of as a civilian doing sculpting Yay! on the side now. <laughs> and uh, But in order to kind of jumpstart myself and, and getting more on a regular schedule where I'm doing my craft every single day and, and creating more. I'm doing hundred days of making minis. So that's 30 minutes a day. I work on miniatures in some form and, uh, and I'm also personally vlogging about it and that's just to help keep myself accountable and, uh, you know, share my experience with everybody else so that they can learn from it. Awesome. And that's on the uh, YouTube, YouTube channel as well. Yes. So just subscribe. So yeah, you t- should totally subscribe and get notifications and then share it. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> All right, Trey. Uh, <clears throat> Trey Manor, redboxgames.com. Uh, that's red-box-games.com. Uh, you can find me on Facebook, Redbox Games mm-hmm. at Facebook, uh, or Redbox <laughs> slash Facebook, whatever it is. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, uh, I make as many different types of standard fantasy as I possibly can. Get a lot of big ideas coming up. Uh, right now I'm producing everything in metal. Got a few items that I produce in resin, but I'm checking into different materials for different production. Uh, I have plans to, uh, to produce a game soon uh, that won't be standard fantasy. It'll be very... Uh, different as I like to think about it. But, uh, uh, yeah, it's uh, extensive catalog, lots of stuff. Come on by and check it out. Buy lots of bone bag goblins so he makes more. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're a lot of fun to make. And they've, they've always done well, so I've, I've just left them alone. <laughs> I, <didn't> wanna... <laughs> I really like so Trey's like, big monster goblins. Those, those, those things were always really yes, cool. Yes, that's I love Thanks, those. Baby. Thanks. Yeah, those are the bone backs. Actually, I think I have one of them up there. Oh, do you? Cool. It's it's on my. Uh, it wasn't supposed to be a shelf of shame, but um, <laughs> <laughs> things have slowly kept getting stuck up there, and for some reason, they don't come off as fast as they get put up there. Yeah, that's just like <laughs> I have one of those shelves myself. I have a, I have a bin. Actually, I have two or three bins. They're just full of. Sculpts that I'll get to like the ninety percent done, and I'll just be like, eh. So, <laughs> now, uh, now, Trey, if you want to send me that box, I'll give you my address, and you can just mail those right on. I'll even pay for shipping on it. If you yeah. <laughs> it would be a lot of the same thing with slight variations. That's okay, man. I, I, you know, I can finish them off and put them out. <laughs> I, need, I actually need to do that. <laughs> trying to make money case you know it's, you, you, you would think. All right. I appreciate y'all having me on. Thanks. I'm sorry I kept you guys waiting. Nah, it, it was worth the wait. It was yeah. it was fine. We made lots of jokes about time. you uh, beforehand. So. Oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. 
I'm ripe for a lot of jokes. So. <laughs> I got to make my fun tray impression, so that was cool. Oh, really? I missed that. <laughs> <laughs> you did. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Tim, do you have anything to add? Uh, no, no. I was holding my tongue most of the time, so. I, I know. You, you kept sending me messages. <laughs> Yes. You know, obviously we try to keep the shows about our guests, but uh, since we were talking a lot about the whole Kickstarter thing and I've worked for some of these uh, big board game offenders, I was like, I'm just going to keep my goddamn <laughs> comments to myself. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, yeah, so that was that. The, so. I, actually, the, the one that I wanted to kick you on was when uh, when you threw out the, so what do you guys think about, uh, you know, digitally sculpting? You threw that grenade and you're like, I'll be back. <laughs> <laughs> Later, I'm like, I don't even know how to lasso these guys in because they have gone. <laughs> the conversation is going way away. Yeah. yeah. But no. My dog started going crazy, so I was like, uh-oh. <laughs> right, no, guys. It's, it's hey, been, man, we, we will chase rabbits given the opportunity. Oh, I, I know. I, like I said, it, it was going to be an interesting time wrangling you all in. Yeah. Uh, Tom was uh, probably the only one that was, uh, you know, hard to, uh, you know, prod into talking, at least at first, because he was working on something, and he's like, huh, what, you said my name? I have a chance to talk? Oh, that sounds good. All right. <laughs> and this, this podcast is cutting into my sculpting time. That's yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, I appreciate everyone uh, coming out, making time for us. Um you're on episode, uh, well, this is, what, 54, 54 now? So so season two, 54? episode two. Awesome. Yes, yes, we have just passed a year. Happy anniversary. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, and by the way, that Counterblast shirt is awesome. Oh, thank you, thank you. You know, we have those in the web store. <laughs> ah! Oh yes! <laughs> All right, everybody. Um, have a good night. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for listening. Thanks for listening to another episode of Skirmish Supremacy. To see more of the antics that Nick and I do, you can check us out on Facebook at Skirmish Supremacy. We also have Twitter, which we can be reached at Skirmish Supreme, because apparently Skirmish Supremacy does not fit in Twitter. And if you want to email us directly, you can reach us at tim at skirmishsupremacy.com or nick at skirmishsupremacy.com. Thanks for listening.